So our scripture reading tonight is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 13. That's page 1211 in the Pew Bible. So Hebrews chapter 13. Emily's going to read it and then Bill is going to come and teach us this evening. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honoured by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honourably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to your son. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the, de- from back- brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for in fact I have written to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with you to see him. Greet greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. Well, our thanks to Carl and the musicians for... uh, I was going to say the preliminaries. No, they're not the preliminaries. They're very much a part of our service, and we're grateful to Carl and uh, his team for helping us and leading us uh, tonight. My brother celebrated his 70th birthday yesterday, 
And last night we were at a kind of knees up. And at these things, uh, when you don't see cousins since the last time my brother gave a do, uh, you're inclined to chat a lot. And I did, hence the uh, croak. I hope it is uh, intelligible and <laughs> bearable. Tonight we come to our final study. I think it's thir the 13th in the book of Hebrews, our 13th study, and we're dealing with Hebrews chapter 13. And you will find it helpful to have the text in front of you. And so I encourage you to, uh, to open it at that place. Uh, like the conclusion to some of the other epistles, the final, the last bit of uh, this uh, uh, book uh, deals with um, concrete, specific issues, practical ones, practical, real issues of Christian believing and Christian uh, living. And of course, it points to the Lord's uh, resources. And as we turn to this, let's pray. Lord, you assure us of your resources for us in every circumstance in uh, this passage of Holy Writ. And we pray that as we continue to worship and attend to your word, you will also provide the resources to interpret, to understand, and to apply, and all to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, because I don't have the wizardry which uh, my younger successor, uh, Drew, uh, exhibits in, in the morning, I'm dealing alliteratively. So we're going to have tonight three L's. Three L's. And that uh, comes out of the text. And the first L is verses 1 to 6. And that is love. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Now, brotherly love was something the early church did fairly well. Listen to Paul writing to the Thessalonians. Now about brotherly love, we have no need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. And in fact, you do love all the brothers and sisters. So the Thessalonians, Paul says, I don't need to encourage you to do that more. You're doing it already. And John, in the first letter of John, writes this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his love for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need and has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? 
Let us not love with words or with tongue, but with actions and in truth. Again, brotherly love, but John's writing to a Christian community that talked about it, but didn't always live it out in practice. Now, what about the congregation to whom uh, the writer to the Hebrews writes? He says in chapter 10, uh, 33, you were, uh, 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 that you were exposed to insult at other times. You stood side by side with those who were so treated. So on brotherly love, they were doing very well. And if you were to assess Bloomfield, brotherly love, sisterly love, care for one another in many practical ways is one of the areas that we do, well, let's just say reasonably well. But what does it say here? As regards brotherly love, keep on doing it. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. When people like me say to people like you that we're doing it reasonably well, we go, you know, and uh, well... We are, but the warning is we've got to keep on doing it. That's the first love. I think we have four versions of love in these verses. Second, do not forget to entertain strangers. Now, that doesn't mean telling a few jokes and doing a dance. That means looking after them, inviting them into the house. Do not uh, forget to entertain strangers For by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Now, that's a a perfectly adequate translation, but it it misses uh, the the full impact of it. Uh, What's the uh, Greek word for brotherly love? You'll all know this. A city in Pennsylvania. Philadelphia. How many knew that? Is that all? Oh, all right. Greek, obviously, Drew, we've got a long way to go. Yes. Uh, Philadelphia. Now, if someone is uh, not very keen on immigrants and foreigners, what's the swanky word for that? Okay, I'll tell you. Xenophobia. Have you heard that one? Good. Right. And the word for... The opposite, love of strangers is, if the love of brothers is Philadelphia, the love of strangers is Philizenia. Now, why am I telling you that? For this reason, not showing off, uh, uh, but for this reason. What the text actually says is, let's get it right. Uh, The love of brothers, keep at it, The love of strangers, don't forget it. Philadelphia, keep at it. Philizania, don't forget it. What's that saying? 
Well, he's holding them very, very close together with his play on words, which we lose in English. I think, having talked about brotherly love, in this section, I'll talk about strangerly love. And what's the point of that? Well, the point of that is this. Sometimes brotherly love, which is wonderful within the Christian community and our Christian community doesn't extend beyond it. And here in Hebrews, he's saying, keep on loving the brothers and sisters, but that means you don't forget those outside your local community. Christian strangers, yes, always uh, should be welcomed. And isn't it a delight to see people who quite obviously don't belong to us coming in? Uh, Coming in, And in some cases, their faith puts us to shame. Keep on loving the brethren and don't forget loving the stranger, the outsider, the foreigner. Now, if I had the time, which I haven't, there's a sermon there, but I have to leave it there. The the text refers to the incident in Genesis when Abraham welcomed three strangers and rushed off to prepare them a meal showing Eastern hospitality. And what did he discover? One was the Lord and two were angels and he was given that promise that though old and long past childbearing age, he and his wife, yet God would give them a son the following year. Don't forget the stranger as well as the brother and sister. And then we have the third kind of love. Love to those in special need. Verse 3. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners. And those who are ill-treated as if you yourselves were suffering. Here is love that is risky and costly. And of course, all love is costly. Fellow prisoners, in some societies, you don't identify yourself with those who are prisoners because that might mean you're enrolling in the list to join them in jail and be ill-treated. It was dangerous to show uh, care for those whom society had cast out and was punishing. And yet, this is what these people are called to do. And we are in our situation. And then, lastly in this section, we have uh, what I, I think is really the love of self. We're given two examples, sex and money and possessions. And I think both of them are uh, the love of self. What does it teach? Well, in a word, it it teaches uh, that uh, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. 
But this society, we want to be free and we want to have relationships. That isn't the right word, but it's the only polite one I can think of at this moment uh, with whoever we fancy. And it's me, me, me. When love is, um, my center is in you and not in me. Our society is all about self-love. And that will ultimately be its destruction. With regard to uh, the, the most intimate of personal relationships, here it is. And uh, with regard to possessions. And I, I loved, uh, Drew, you must give me the name of that book. Uh, in fact, better, give me a copy. Uh, it, what was it? Uh, stuffication, where we all have stuff and far too much stuff. And when we moved house, I encouraged Ruth to get rid of some stuff, and she was reluctant, and I took the high moral ground until she encouraged me to get rid of of some of my few thousand books that I don't read regularly now. And I was not amused. We all have a special uh, affinity with our stuff, don't we? What our society, what we need to learn is the secret of, here we have it, of contentment contentment of trusting not in our stuff or not even in the final result in other people, although we do trust in them, but here in what? In the Lord himself, verse 5 and 6. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. Now, I'm, God willing, preaching on the 1st of uh, January. And this text, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, from Joshua 1. That's one of my favorite uh, texts for starting the new year. It's, it's a cracker. Um, I don't think I'll use it now, having told you. I have no sense. But, but isn't, isn't it a wonderful assurance when we face any uh, difficulty, any danger, any loss? The Lord says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so with confidence we can respond, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me when I'm in his hand? Wow. Okay. That's the first L. Now the second L. Verse 7. Remember your leaders. Now that's a bit of a surprise. Uh, when I was starting preparing this, uh, this sermon, I wondered why we had leaders 
in here. And as you get into it, there are two references to leaders in verse 7 and in verse 17. And the the, the reference in verse 7 is to leaders who have probably died. Let's see it. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. He's reminding them of those who brought the gospel to them. Those who spoke the word of God to you. And it's interesting what he highlights about these past uh, preachers, evangelists, whoever. Friday we were at, or many of us were at, uh, Jeffrey's ordination and installation. Now, in Palomina, they have short winters because we had two sermons of whatever and whatever. Uh, This... The second one is a charge, and normally charges stress the minister as the preacher, and he's given, he or she is given instruction as to about devoting time to the study and all that, all very valuable. But look what's picked up here. None of that. Yes, they're to remember them who brought the word of God to them, so that's there all the time, but what does he say? Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Well, we'll, we'll come to imitating faith in a minute. The outcome of their way of life. Leaders are not just to be Wonderful preachers who can expand the word in a magnificent way and encourage and infuse and everything else, those who hear them. There to be more than that. The outcome of their way of life. Here are references to character, to other aspects of Christian living and not just to preaching, to care for other people, to pastoral care, and and, and so on. And that aspect, if I may may critique, uh, although uh, I'm not critiquing, uh, what do you call him, Smith, who did the, uh, the charge on Friday night, but sometimes that aspect, it just doesn't appear in charges. And yet we all know an important aspect of ministry is personal relationships and loving your people. So those were the dead ones. Let's go to the living ones. Verse 17. Obey your leaders. Now we had, where's Emily? Uh, your, Your version, ESV was it? Which was it? No, you don't know. Well, it it didn't have obey there. Uh, I forget what it said. Uh, the, the the word there is it means obey, but it's it's not a obey because he's the boss kind of obey. It, it's the word for being persuaded. And why have they 
to submit to authority. Well, note first of all in 17 that we, he doesn't talk about us. He talks about them and their role. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Keep watch. This is the word that's used for shepherds on the lookout at night, keeping watch that no harm comes to the sheep. It's the, the, the word, the verb connected with being a watchman, keeping watch. And that's what preachers and teachers have to do. And nobody should rush to be a preacher or teacher because here and in other passages, it is specifically said that we will be judged by the Lord in the manner, the method of our living and of our teaching. And, well, I balk a little at that, but I have to face that. Okay. But then he goes on. He says, Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, this is a bit odd, especially when you realize that the reference to burden is uh, obey them, follow them, so that their work will be done with joy and not literally with groaning. With groaning. I've been at some meetings of ministers in the past and there's a lot of moaning about their congregation. <gasps> My Kirk session, or, oh, our women, or, oh, I'll, I'll make no more examples or I'll get into trouble. But, but there's, there's a lot of groaning. So clearly here, there seems to have been a problem of relationships between the leadership and the membership. And what he's saying is, that shouldn't be. Why? Well, because it will be of no advantage to you or to anybody. A church where there isn't harmony and unity of heart between leadership and congregation is a, tr a church in big trouble. And I think that's why it wasn't until I got to this point that I was satisfied that it had been cracked for me. That's why, as well as talking about love, he's talking about leadership and membership. And that brings us back to uh, verse 7. And I'll just read it. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Now, I've never understood why Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever is in the middle of that, because it, 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 it doesn't seem to fit. 
Anybody else with that problem? Okay, let's go back. Uh, there's no verb to be in verse 8. Let me read it a different way. Uh, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ, yesterday and today the same and forever. This is a definition of their faith. What is their faith? Focused on Jesus. What he did in the past, yesterday. What he means today by his spirit. And what is going to happen in the future. What he will do. Wonderful Advent uh, passage for this season of the year. Their faith was focused on Jesus. And then he, what does he say? He says, imitate their faith. Now, what a funny verb to use. Uh, Drew referred to uh, TV uh, this morning. Drew is, a, is an addict. Uh, I uh, just occasionally remember programs. Do you, you remember the program of Lionel Blair? Uh, some of you are far too young. And give, was it give us a clue? Do you remember? And they all did funny things. That meant it was a film, and that meant it was television, and that meant it was the first syllable. Okay, here's the first syllable. And the second syllable, the first syllable, bloom. The second syllable, field, fielding. Now, you all got that, of course, right? <laughs> no, thank you. I, I don't want to waste any more time. Uh, but we normally think of imitating by imitating people. But here, he says, we are to imitate those earlier leaders, imitate their faith in specifically this way. Jesus is at the center. Sometimes our center moves a bit off center. We get hung up on this or that. And when a wheel no longer has the axle or whatever it is at the center, what happens? If it's a bit off center, the wheel goes, and it won't be very smooth and it won't last very long. And that happens to us when Jesus is not at the center. And that brings us to the third L, love, leaders. And the third one is, well, it is the Lord. And I, I haven't time to really uh, look at verses 9 to, uh, where, to about 16. Just let me highlight a couple of things in this. Here he is uh, pointing back to and summarizing the teaching which he gave in the earlier bit of, the, of, the, uh, of his writings. Verse, seven, verse 12, he refers to Jesus suffering outside the city gate. What was outside the city gate? The place of a skull. 
Golgotha, Calvary, where Jesus hung on that cruel cross. He suffered outside the gate. Outside the gate in the Old Testament was the place of the tent of meeting, where people went out to the tent of meeting. It was the place where animals were sacrificed. The, the atonement uh, the animals were sacrificed outside the camp. And he refers to Jesus suffering outside the gate. And he then says, verse 13, let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. It's been referred to earlier. The shame that our Lord assumed for us. And now to people who probably are going to face persecution, he says, we have to be prepared to bear his shame. Why? Because we have no abiding city. Today, the way society is going, unrest drained uh, personal liberty. To me, it seems as if it is not an abiding city. Western civilization will not last. It's being sucked into the vortex of its own making and like dirty bathwater going down the plug hole. It's not abiding. It will not last. But in the meantime, we are called, like Jesus, to suffer disgrace. And that's happening more and more. People who take a stand for Jesus in this or that area suffer disgrace. Ridicule is heaped upon brothers and sisters for taking a stand, for simply seeking to follow Jesus. And that is unpopular in today's society. Think of what he did. Paid the price. Brought cleansing from sin. Granted his holiness to the people. So then, we go outside the camp to him outside the camp. And what do we do? Well, verse, where are we? 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God our sacrifices, but not like the old covenant, sacrifices of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. That refers to worship, but it refers to wider than worship, living lives that praise him. And not only that, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. The sacrifices we offer, the praise of our lips and of our being, the goodness of our actions, 
and the way we share with others in need. That's a theological support to all we have been hearing about storehouse and, and all the other good courses, uh, good causes uh, these last uh, few weeks. These are the sacrifices we are called to make. But how do we do it? Well, turn to verse 20. And what do we read there? That the Lord equips us and makes us able. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Our aim in the Christian life is to please him. And there's no way we can do it on our own. But here the prayer is that God himself with the power to raise Jesus from the dead will equip us and enable us so to do. Let's just have a moment in silence. As we think of this, as I read it again, may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. Everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. Father, as we've heard your word today, as we've received from your table, we ask that the gospel will penetrate deeply our thinking, our hearts, and how we live for your glory and honor. Lord, as we leave this place tonight, may we remember to live by faith, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Lord, help us to keep paying attention to your great salvation. Keep us from drifting from you and each other. Guard our hearts from becoming hard to your word. Remind us that your discipline is for our good and it is done because you love us. Assist us, Father, to profess our faith, to spur one another on. And help us, gracious Father, to fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.